Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 68. This time, Pippin and I will be talking about what we've been up to and touch on a whole bunch of news. But first... This episode is sponsored by SearchWP, a powerful plugin for WordPress that dramatically improves the default search engines inside of WordPress. Uh, one of the main features it has is the ability to build custom search engines. So for example, you could build a search form that's specific to your e-commerce products or your help documentation or any other kind of content that's on your website. It even has the ability to search within PDF files, office documents, and other kinds of files on your server. Uh, SearchWP right now has a free three-day email course that you can sign up for from searchwp.com that will help explain how SearchWP can improve your site. Uh, we had Jonathan Christopher, the creator of SearchWP, on Apply Filters back on episode 44. If you'd like to listen to an interview with him, uh, and be sure to thank him for sponsoring this episode and upcoming episodes by going to searchwp.com and checking out the plugin. Nice. Well done. We use it on all of our sites. Works really, really well. Yeah, uh, we do also. And we use it to power the search on deliciousbrains.com uh, nice. for the documentation. And you know, not, not only is SearchWP an awesome plugin, but he's also just a darn good guy. Yeah, he's all right. Always makes <laughs> me happy when you have a great product supported by a great person. Yeah, that's right. What do you been up to, Brad? Uh, well, actually, uh, WP Offload S3 uh, 1.2, I think uh, we talked about that a bit last time, about what was in that release. Well, it hasn't been released yet. We actually delayed the release, and it's not because there's anything wrong necessarily with the release itself, but with uninstalling and installing it. <laughs> so the way we were planning to release it is to... Uh, allow our customers to download it from my account, but not actually push the update to people's uh, dashboards to kind of trickle the re the release out kind of gradually rather than kind of push it out all at once. Have you ever done that, Pippin? Um, not really. No. But I, I, I know, I've seen people do it. I know it works. Yeah. Gravity Forms did it recently, and I was like, huh, I like that idea that you kind of trickle the release out uh, rather than do one big release and everybody gets it. So this way they had to download it from my account and upload it to their dashboard so kind of manually. So that out disables the auto updates? So, sorry, it disables the so auto updates? Use the auto updates for yes. it to update. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if you want it to update, you have to do it manually kind of thing. Got it. Um, and then, then later on, we would turn on the automatic updates. So, so kind of, get it hey, let's get the people that are very serious about updating, get them updated to, in a, in a way, beta test the update. And then once everything's confirmed to go well, we release everybody. That's yeah, the idea. That's the idea, exactly. And uh, so the problem with that idea, <laughs> though, is what would you do if you did manually upgrade? Well, you would probably go to your dashboard, to the plugins page, deactivate the plugin, delete it, and then upload the zip of the, the new version and activate it, right? That's a lot of people would do that. Well, unfortunately, when you deactivate or when you delete the plugin, it will actually delete the data as well. 
So it'll blow, it would blow away all their related data, all their WP offload S3 data, you know, uninstall the plugin. And so what we ended up doing is we released a- Because you haven't uninstalled a PHP file in the plugin? Yeah, we have uninstalled that PHP. Yeah, we had. We just released a point release that removed the uninstall features so that people won't lose their data. I think, and, and we, were, we were planning to do that in 1.2 anyway, but then, then it's too late, right? They've already, they've already installed 1.2 the manual way and lost all their data. So, so we had to do this point release first. So we did that. So we're, we're actually just waiting now to release that. We're just waiting uh, like a, probably four or five weeks till everyone upgrades the, to the point release. And then and then we'll do uh, we'll release one point two. I did this uh, a while ago in EDD. I think it's now been about two years ago. And what we ended up doing was adding an option to our settings screen, like a checkbox, basically. And so it, you have to enable the deletion of data. Now this is still a little bit misleading because even if you have that option, so basically you go to settings and you say, "I want to delete all the data on install." because we've found the number of people that will delete a plugin and then upload a new version is a lot higher than we originally thought it was. <laughs> and people get really mad when you delete all their e-commerce data. Understandably. Yeah, understandably, yeah. Uh, so we added that option. But it's still a little bit misleading because if you, even if you have that option enabled or disabled, and then you include a check for that option in uninstall before doing anything, there's no UI feedback to a user. Like it can still say, like when you go to delete a plugin, it still says going to delete all its data, even though it's not going to. Right. I see. I see. So even if you, no matter what you check or uncheck in the settings, it's always going to say that it's going to delete the data because the uninstall.php is there. Right. It, yeah. It's a text uninstall.php file. Right. So interestingly, in WordPress 4.6, that prompt that used to show up on kind of like a separate page, right? The, I think it was the, page of sadness or something they call it <laughs> page of bleakness, I think is what it was. <laughs> yeah well that that it no longer goes to that page anymore just um you get a javascript uh pop-up that asks are you sure you want to delete you know whatever the plugin name is and its data and that and its data shows up no matter what now even if if the uninstall is there or not and so i opened a track ticket about this the feedback was kind of, you know, somebody said that, you know, the un just because the uninstall is there doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually going to delete the data. And that, that would and that was your point. Um, so I'm not sure what the, <laughs> the solution is there. I kind of want to, I, I looked over your track ticket uh, just before we jumped into this episode. Uh, and I'm kind of tempted to dive onto it and, and see if we can hopefully make something happen with it because I would love to have that message conditional. So I, I kind of feel that there should be a filter or some method for a plugin to actually indicate whether uninstall.php will do anything because the simple presence of uninstall.php is really crappy, to be honest. Like users should have an option to delete data, but not be required to delete data. Right now it's very binary. Like in terms of the way that WordPress core thinks about it, you either delete it or you don't. There is no decision by a user to do that. 
Yeah. So there's there's another ticket um, much older than mine. <laughs> uh, I think it's like eight years old, uh, four years old, basically new uh, <laughs> in WordPress track ticket terms. The point of the ticket is to allow users to delete a plugin without uninstalling. If you read through the comments, I think what people are getting at is that the UI should give them the option of, of running the uninstall or not running the uninstall. So basically, you just have a, you know, a checkbox or something. So the prompt would say, are you sure you want to uninstall this plugin? And then maybe give, add a checkbox in there that says, I would also like to uninstall the data or something like that. I, th I think that would be much more clear to the users, like what what's happening and give them that control over what they choose to do. It seems a little dangerous at the same time. Like, I don't know, I don't think we would even have the option there to, if, if we could put a checkbox there to uninstall the data, I think we would probably still leave it out <laughs> because it's just so dangerous, right? To delete that data. Like, I really want them to jump through like extra hoops to get rid of that data, it's, right? It's kind of funny. I used to think that it was dangerous enough that we shouldn't include it. And then the number of people that got irritated at us for not cleaning up after ourselves when they removed the plugin surprised me. Um, and I was, I always kind of, I the reason I looked at it kind of, well, it's a lesser of two evils kind of. Right. Uh, so, so, so our solution I, to that is to send them to a doc that, that gives them instructions on how to uninstall the data. And that's like the extra hoops that they have to jump through. I, I just, hopefully those people will be okay with that and they'll understand that. But yeah, you, it might be a case where people are just super <laughs> not happy with us for, for leaving the right. garbage behind. But Well, I think most of the time what it is is people that install a plugin and they realize it's not what they want. And then so they go ahead and deactivate it and then they find out that there was stuff left in their database, which uh, is a perfectly legitimate concern. Yes and no. I, I think they sh if they're going to be trying plugins, they should probably be doing it in a dev or staging environment, in my opinion. And then, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, and then then they don't have to worry about garbage being left behind. They just blow away their database and get the latest live copy. It's definitely an area that could use some improvement, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, man, what have you been up to? Well, we've got uh, three big updates that went out uh, this last week. Uh, the first one is we released a new extension for EDD called EDD Message. It's a nice little extension that kind of extends some of the core EDD functionality to a little bit of the CRM territory, just, just barely, that allows you to send an email to customers, vendors, and also for vendors to send emails to customers directly from inside the EDD dashboard. So like you can go to a customer's page in EDD and then send them a message. And you can, you can write out a message, you can add your attachments, you can just define all your headers. It's, it's a pretty simple little plugin, but it has a lot of really legit use cases that a lot of people have wanted. The, the other main use case for it is in, a, in like a multi-vendor marketplace. Uh, we've had a ton of requests for vendors being able to communicate with their customers. And so this option now adds an ability for a vendor to email a customer directly from their dashboard. Um, and this could happen with or without knowing the, the customer's email address. So that's a new extension that's been released. It was developed by Kyle Maurer uh, at Real Big Marketing slash Real Big Plugins. Uh, and it's now available and it's pretty sweet. Right. We had Kyle on the show. I don't remember the number, the episode number, but 
Yeah, it was a while ago. It was. Yeah, Kyle's a great guy, and he's been doing a bunch of work for us. He does he does some support work for us. He does some some overall. He participates in all of our team meetings and is is really good at giving us really excellent feedback and building some really good plugins. So. The other thing that we did, uh, we just released a new update for a, an extension called Upload File. Uh, this is an extension that allows customers to upload files onto the checkout page or onto the purchase confirmation page. Imagine, for example, that you are selling a service where maybe you do logo design and you want somebody to upload the mockups for the logo that they're purchasing from you um, or, so, or perhaps like a t-shirt design or something like that. This extension is what would allow you to very easily do that. Uh, we just, it got completely rewritten. It's a whole lot more intuitive. It's got a few new features. Um, and that update went out last week. And then uh, two other things. The first one is we just released version 2.5 of our Stripe payment gateway for EDD. Um, and this was a pretty important update that we're really happy to finally have live. Um, very, since the very beginning um, in EDD, if you process credit or debit card payments on site, you were required to collect the billing address from the customer. And this billing address was then sent to the merchant processor. So Stripe, PayPal, whatever. A lot of people have always wanted to remove some of those billing address fields or remove them completely. Now there are various arguments for and against removing billing address fields, but a lot of people really wanted to do it. And so we decided to do it. So we've added new settings that allow you to say, I don't want any billing address fields, or I only want country and zip, or I want the full address. Um, so it gives now gives the site owners the onus to define the simplicity or complexity of their checkout field, which is pretty important, I think. Um, and then the next thing that we did is we added support for the Stripe checkout payment modal window, which is a super slick system from Stripe. If you've never seen it, go to stripe.com slash checkout. It's beautiful. Um, we've, we've supported Stripe checkout in EDD for about two years now. But we never supported it on like our standard purchase page, our standard checkout screen. It's always been as like buy now buttons or things like that. Now it is integrated into our checkout screen. So um, instead of having our own custom form where you enter the payment, the, the credit card details, you can now click next and it pops up with the Stripe payment modal and you enter your card details there uh, and works really, really well. This has a couple of added benefits that are really cool that are um, provided because of the Stripe checkout feature. First, it automatically enables Alipay, which is the largest payment processor in China, which obviously is a very large market. Um, and it enables it automatically for every single Stripe user, regardless of whether you have an Alipay account or not, which is cool. Um, next, it, it automatically enables the ability for customers to be remembered. Um, and so using Stripe's really cool system, you can say, remember my payment details. And the next time you come back to the site, it will remember you. It will say, all right, let's text you a confirmation code, kind of like a two-factor authentication type thing. You enter your code and it immediately just knows your, your car details and you can click payment and you can finalize your purchase really, really fast, uh, which is pretty slick. Uh, and then the last major thing that it does is it the Stripe checkout modal window is fully localized and has automatic detection of languages. And so if you're, let's say that your customer is in Russia, it will detect that and it will display that, that payment modal window in Russian, even if your site does not have a Russian translation. And so suddenly it's much more global friendly, which is really cool. So if you are a Stripe user, definitely go check it out. The uh, EDD message thing was, 
Interesting. It made me think of, is there an EDD help scout integration of some kind? There is. Yeah. Okay. Would there be any reason to use, like if you were already using the help scout integration, would you, you also use EDD message or would there be any point to doing that? You can absolutely. Um, so, well, actually the help scout integration for EDD is a little bit different than what you might be thinking of. What it does is it will show, like if you go into help scout and you have a customer, it will show purchase details for that customer, but it doesn't connect communication with that customer. So what you would really do is now you use both of these. So let's say that you are a customer of mine and there's a there's something that I need to communicate to you, whether it's a per problem with your purchase, a new feature, what have you. I can go to your customer page, NED, I can send you a message and then simply set my reply to as my help scout address. And then that message will go out to you. When you reply to me, it automatically lands my help scout. Yeah, I guess another way, I mean, you, you could add like an integration here so that when when they submit the email, uh, instead of it like just being sent through, uh, yeah, like it would open a new ticket in Help Scout. That would be yeah, kind of absolutely. neat. I think that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. And I, I think it's there's a strong possibility for that happening in the future. Yeah, although I, you know, I don't know how useful or how much demand there would be for that kind of thing. But it just made me I don't think know. of. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should move on to news. Uh, well, Ninja Forms 3 was released, uh, when was that? Like a week ago? Something like that. Uh, I, I want to say it was on either like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. It was Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. it was Tuesday, September 6th. September 6th it was released. That's right. Yeah. So congratulations to our friends at WP Ninjas, the makers of Ninja Forms. Because they, they spent a really long time working on it. Uh, they, they actually posted a, a blog post showing just how long it had actually been in progress. And it turns out it's like greater than two years since they had recently started it. Right. Well, it's, I think it's a complete rewrite, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, 100%. and they hired a design firm to do the design of the, of the uh, and not just the design, but the whole user experience and the whole works. So, I mean, that whole process does, those, those tough processes tend to take a long time uh, in my experience. <laughs> so yeah, I think, yeah. uh, I think the new release looks really, really good and I'm sure uh, it's going well. There's always going to be little hiccups here and there, but overall it's a really excellent release. I'm excited to see what they do in the future. We updated, uh, applyfilters.fm on the same day that it was released and the upgrade went smoothly. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've been following along and I was really impressed with, with their, with their updates. Um, and their, their whole user experience looks really great. So it's, it's definitely a completely different experience than it was before, which can be jarring for people that are used to it. But if you step back and you're willing to accept change, it can be a really nice experience now. For sure. Uh, the .org forums have been uh, migrated to a new version, or I guess the latest version, of BB Press. And, uh, but there's been some hiccups and stuff, but I just wanted to give a shout out to the, the crew that's, that's doing that, because I know a migrating, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, migrating I, forums. I get scared with the idea of migrating like 50,000 forum posts, and I mean, they're migrating 10 plus years of forms data, which has got to be millions and millions of posts. And they're migrating from the old, old BB press, which was like when it was a BB press, wasn't even part of WordPress. It wasn't plugin. It was a 
for conversion of WordPress even, um, and has had so much custom code written on top of it and then migrating it to WordPress and the actual BBPress plugin. It's a whole lot of work, but it'll be really, really nice when it's done and it's looking good so far. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good on them. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Soldiering well, on. Yeah. Managed WP and uh, was acquired by GoDaddy uh, since yeah. last time we, we chatted. And uh, I think it's fine. I think it's a good thing. I didn't actually see any problems with it. I mean, I know I know GoDaddy has like a, yeah, I guess a checkered past and, and there's still like plenty of people that, that are not fans of GoDaddy. But I, I've kind of changed my perception of GoDaddy um, over the last few years uh, because of the great people that they've hired over the last few years. And uh, and I've had great conversations with them at conferences and stuff. And so I have no problems with, with GoDaddy anymore. I was following a bunch of the responses to it. And like the day that the announcement went out, I went and read the blog post on ManagedWP and there's something like 100 or 300 comments that were posted on it. And I was a little disappointed, not in ManageWP and not in GoDaddy, but in the user base. And it was, it was a reminder that people are really, really fickle. I, I think I'm like, like you in it. So I know I, I've had good and bad experiences with GoDaddy. I know that they have a, uh, an interesting past, but I also believe that number one product, companies change. Uh, and two, like I've seen it directly. One of my, my second employee that I ever hired worked at GoDaddy for five plus years. Um, and could tell me all about the history of GoDaddy. A guy that I hired for a summer went to work for GoDaddy full time, just like a year ago, two years ago. He was, he's amazing. Um, I know another really good friend that works there and I, I was disappointed to see the number of people that, will use a bad past and just immediately blacklist anybody who's associated. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cool. I mean, it's pretty clear that GoDaddy is trying to clean itself up. And so I think they deserve a, a chance to do that, you know? I mean, that's that's what I think. I mean, Carrie, Carrie Dills wrote a great post. A lot of what we just said, I think she says it probably more elegantly in her, in her yeah, post. It's uh, really... It'll be linked in the show notes. And if you have any interest in reading about the acquisition or, or if you hate the fact that ManageWP has been bought by GoDaddy or you love GoDaddy or you love ManageWP or any of that, go read it. Maybe real quick, what were some of the, the highlights that, that she mentioned? Um, the first ones that come to mind for me was the people. So she, she gave kind of a, a rundown of like, I don't know what the GoDaddy is that you know, but this is the one that I know and describe like 10 or so interactions with with people both high and lower in the company and they're awesome yeah absolutely yeah and and she mentioned people by name the uh gabriel mays christopher carfee mendel I, I don't even need to say his last name right yeah. frankie frankie <laughs> jared um, yeah. and recently aaron campbell yeah yeah that's right so, so these are all personal connections that she has, and and she she just felt like, yeah, like it. I think I think it's important for for all of us to always remember that no matter how big a company is, and no matter what their their, their past looks like, you have to remember that a company is built out of people, and that company can be very easily defined by those people. And so, remember that 
maybe what made GoDaddy what it was five years ago is not what it is today because it's different people there. And the people that are there today are awesome. Uh, let's see. There was a new 2017 theme announced. Yeah, announced. I think just the, the mock-ups and kind of the plans for it were announced. But what was really interesting about that is that it's a business theme. So Which is a first. I believe it's a first, yes. And so the free, like the default theme that comes with WordPress will be, you know, like a ready, set, go uh, solution for for businesses, small right. business. It doesn't really look like a blog anymore. It's kind of a, a corporate, not, yeah. it's not super corporate, but like any, any business could use this as their thing. I love that because I still get developers that are not, that have, haven't done much work with WordPress that still think that WordPress is a blogging system. Which and you they, can't really fault them for if you look at just the default themes. Right, exactly. If you look at, you know, and, and, and it's history. I mean, it's history, you know, at a certain point, it was mainly for blogs. And that's, so, they're, yeah. Uh, and it's really, really nice design, I think. So, I'd, yeah, yeah looks, check it out. It looks really, really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah. Pagely founder, Joshua Strebel, he blogged, which he doesn't do often, but when he does... It's usually a good one. And this is this is a really great post about what, how he's kind of building a team of leaders, like where everyone can kind of take charge. Um, is that is that accurate, what I just said? <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. Uh, it, was, it was kind of around the idea that when you, you can, one of the ways that you can make a really great team that excels is by giving everybody trust and responsibility. And so by like, for, for one thing, I think one of the examples he gave was that on every employee's first day, they are given SSH access to the AWS infrastructure with every single client site, every single customer site. And I mean, we're talking sites from like little, just little tiny blogs to major, major sites with massive amounts of traffic. And that everybody is given that because you are inherently given trust and you are expected to be responsible and then you're expected to be accountable. I think that's wonderful. It made me it made me kind of think about how I run my own company a lot, and I it's the way that I've always wanted to run it, and I I think we do reasonably well at it. I know that there's areas that we don't do well enough at it, but I think that it's absolutely true that when you give somebody trust, responsibility, and encourage them to be accountable for their own actions. You build not only great team members, but you build great people. Yeah. And you empower them, right? You empower them to affect the product, whatever that might be, to take ownership of things, right? I think that's a, a big thing. Yeah, we're, we're big on this as well. Um, in fact, uh, we, we usually give the keys to the castle to trialees, uh, which sounds scary, but but the keys of the castle for us is not you know live production servers. <laughs> so it's it's more like you know the ability to commit to all of our repositories and and push code and stuff like that. So it's not quite you know a, a misstep is not going to be as, as disastrous. It's basically here's the keys to the castle. You know, sink or swim. That's kind of our trial process. And so, and so that kind of sets the stage for what's to come, right? If, 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 they, if they can't handle that, then it kind of 
weeds those people out that aren't ready for that kind of level of responsibility and and leadership. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I love this I post. That's what automatic does as well. Um, I think I remember reading a, a a post from a guy that did a trial, and he said that on day one he had full access to every single site on WordPress.com. Oh, that's right. Yes, I think. Yes, I think I think we stole that. I maybe we stole the idea from that post. In fact, uh, I think it was Dave Clements that wrote that post. Yeah, yeah, that was a great post. It was a just a recap of of his trial uh, period with with Automatic. So that was pretty. It was a really really great post. I would love I would love more transparency uh, into these larger companies because as as a small company, like we we're just kind of you know. Pushing forward, making mistakes, and learning as we do them. So to 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 be able to like learn from their mistakes that they've already made. I mean, it's just awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for making mistakes for us. Yeah, thank and and publishing them. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's the key. See, I, I love that. I really enjoy that blog post from Struggle. Here's a quick little tangent that could very easily not be a tangent, and so I think we have to carefully say that we're going to just briefly cover this uh, because it's a whole interesting. As probably a lot of people are aware, I, uh, Apple just announced a new iPhone, uh, iPhone 7, and they have killed off the headphone jack and they've introduced their new ear pods, their wireless headphones. Uh, so really quick. What? Headphone we, jack? How about we both just give a quick overall reaction and impression to it? Go. I think the headphone jack thing, I mean, it needs to be done at a certain point because I think the future is wireless headphones, obviously. Um, but I don't have any wireless headphones right now. <laughs> and so I think that's where the anger is coming from. Everyone's, you know, like, well, I don't have wireless headphones. I want the, I, I want the jack. I mean, some people are going to be probably fine with it because of the dongle that they're including. They're, they including, they're including like a, a lightning to the headphone jack is called a one eighth stereo jack is like the audio terminology. So it's so the the connector is a lightning to one eighth stereo jack. So it's going to come in the box. You don't have to buy it extra. So I think most I think most people will be fine with that. Um, what what do you think? Uh, I've got a couple of reactions. First, I think if your gut reaction says that it's uh, is negative, there is a really good blog post that I will try to dig up and make sure that's included in the show notes from an Apple iOS developer that was that had some really good kind of responses to all the negativity. For me personally, I, I think about it, there's going to be a couple of things that I think are going to be um, inconvenient, but overall, I'm really, really thrilled that they did this. Um, a lot of people have kind of made fun of them or kind of laughed at their use or uh, Phil, or the main guy's name is Phil, somebody, his use oh, of the word Phil, courage. Phil Schiller, yeah, Phil courage. Schiller, yeah. When, he, when he said that we, one of the reasons we've done this is courage, I think he is spot on. Because here's a, here's my reaction. <laughs> and that is simply the, the wireless world right now sucks. It is terrible. Bluetooth headphones are awful. I have a very nice set of Bluetooth headphones and I love them, but Bluetooth technology is just downright terrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. It, it's great for a keyboard. It's great for a mouse. But anything that needs to transmit large amounts of data, like audio, it's horrible for. And so one thing that Apple is really, really good at, and 
partially because they have oodles of money to be able to be good at it. They also just have ridiculously talented engineers uh, is forcing changes on the industry. So the wireless world sucks and Apple is going to force the wireless world to be awesome. And right. I love that. Sink or swim. And so it might suck for a little bit. It might be really inconvenient for us for a little bit to use d- different dongles or, or splitters so that we can use our existing headphones or charge and headphones at the same time. But I give it six months to a year and we'll forget because all of the wireless options are going to start coming out of the woodwork with really good quality equipment that will be so much better than what we have right now. Yeah. So John, John Gruber posted about that courage thing. So I was actually, I watched like maybe 10 minutes of the whole keynote. Uh, I just popped in for a minute just just to remind myself how much I hate gratuitous clapping. <laughs> And I managed to, I tuned in right in that part where he was introducing the AirPod or no, the, the headphone jack that it was missing and, and the courage statement. And I, 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 la- I literally laughed out loud, like when he said it, like that was my immediate reaction. And so I think, I think you're right. I agree with everything you just said. But I think he he could have like not emphasized it so much. He like set it up and then he said like it's it's one thing, courage. <laughs> like <laughs> he just he made it sound like it was like a like a a movie trailer or something. I think that was yeah. I think so. John Gruber, uh, daringfireball.net. Um, he's like one of the. I think he used to work for Apple or something. Anyway, he he writes about Apple. He's like one of the f- more famous bloggers that write about Apple. He compared uh, an old J- Steve Jobs quote uh, that was around the same thing. It was a, around, and he, it said cur- courage. Uh, so it was, some, I can't remember what it was. It was something that Apple had done, like similarly where they were pushing the envelope, pushing things forward. But he didn't emphasize courage so much. He just he worked it into the speech, but he didn't emphasize. I think I think the delivery was a big part of the problem there. So, anyways, it is what it is. And Twitter went Twitter went Twitter went nuts. When, All when, right. That one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I I could probably talk about Apple for a long time, but we probably should. Yeah. I guess there's well, two other things that, that we should cover real quick, and that's uh, iOS 10 was released today, as yeah. well as Watch OS 3, which I'm okay. excited for both. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not even an Apple user. I, I don't even. I, I, my wife has a, an iPhone six, but I. Yeah, I don't have anything, and, and she has an Apple Watch. She's like the. She's the Apple user in the family, I guess. I just have a MacBook, and that's it. I actually, I, I have an iPhone six, and uh, I, will, I have an Apple Watch, and um, every, every basically everything I own is an Apple device. Um, right. You're you're fully invested. Are you uh, are you big on the AirPods or what? Uh, no, I, actually, that's an interesting thing. Um, and that was my biggest beef with them losing the headphone jack. Um, and it's purely a personal reason. So I have an I have interesting ears in that one of them is slightly deformed and the other one is smaller than usual. I have did your brother able, do that? Did your twin brother do that? <laughs> uh, he actually did. Yes. Uh, ah, they, they I actually figured out that in, in, from the womb. Um, but so for that reason, uh, Apple ear pods have never, or their ear bot, what are they called? 
AirPods. Their headphones. Their headphones, <laughs> both the new and the old, have never once fit my ears. I've never been able to wear them. I've thrown every single pair away I've ever gotten. Uh, I have to go find very specific headphones that are very small in-ear headphones to work. So the AirPods excite me, but only once they release new versions that are very small earbuds. I mean, yeah, I've got really small ears as well, and I don't know if they would... Because they have like this thing that dangles down. It almost looks like a Bluetooth headset a little bit. Um, so I, I don't. I think they're they're probably going to be um, more likely to pop out than than like the previous ones. But I guess we'll see. Once my wife gets them, that won't be long. <laughs> she tends to be. She's an early adopter. So I'm I'm excited for the iOS 10 release and also the WatchOS 3. Um, watch especially because one of the biggest complaints with the Apple Watch, which I share this complaint, is that it's slow. Um, it lags a lot, and so WatchOS 3 is supposed to be much, much faster. Okay, I guess we've got two opinions, and one of them is also Apple, but it is slightly different. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you see what Stripe announced? No. Wh when did this happen, though? When so, all right. So a few weeks ago, maybe two months or so, uh, Stripe released that they were building an integration with Apple for Apple Pay on the web. So if anybody, if anybody who's ever used Apple Pay, it's a really nice experience. It's really awesome, especially if you have a, like if you have an Apple Watch. Pay like when I go when I walk into Walgreens to go buy batteries, um, I don't pull my wallet out, I don't pull my phone out, I just hold my my watch up to the card reader and it submits the payment. Super nice. Anyway, they are building Apple Pay for the web, and so if you are shopping from your iPhone uh, or your iPad. Uh, or I guess eventually, possibly your watch, which seems silly. You will, and you visit a website that has Apple Pay enabled. You can pay for whatever goods you're purchasing through Apple Pay directly on your, with through your phone. So you don't ever have to pull your wallet out. You don't have to do anything. It's just it's a much se more seamless, rapid experience. Um, I imagine Amazon will probably be launching this. Would be my guess as well. So Stripe just they announced a month or two ago that they were building it. Today, they announced it's ready. So developers can now, as of the release of iOS 10, can go put Apple Pay on the web. Whoa. Okay. Interesting. So so let's say I'm, I'm on your site and buying some add-ons for EDD. So I'm, in my, I'm on my laptop doing this, though. Will it, like, somehow connect to my iPhone and I can, I I can pay? I don't know if they ever... I don't know if Apple Pay will be ever be connected to desktop or laptop machines. Um, I've never seen it. It seems perfectly reasonable that it would be. But right now, I don't think, I think the answer is no. But if you were to do it from your iPhone or your iPad, then absolutely. So it what says, would happen is. Yeah, so it says on, on their site here, I'm looking, integrate the fluid experience of Apple Pay into your mobile and desktop websites. What? Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they've added it to the desktop. I've, I've never seen a, an Apple Pay system from my laptop, but it wouldn't surprise me. It seems perfectly reasonable that they would. Yeah, that's cool, uh, man. I like that. Yeah, so hopefully it'll be... Uh, actually, looking at a footnote, it says available in Safari iOS 10 or macOS Sierra. So with the next macOS update. I, I think that's the next one coming out. So oh. it looks like... It. Uh, there you go. It is a real be a really nice experience and so i'm excited for it. we're going to build in an integration for edd and rcp and it should be fun right so now i have to uh, so now i have another use for safari i guess 
(laughs) Shopping. It's just for shopping. (laughs) I use Chrome for everything. And then Safari's for shopping. (laughs) All right. Uh, One other thing, and I'm curious if you've tried this yet. Uh, Have you, are you a Slack user? Oh yeah. Every day. All right. Do you use the desktop app? Oh yeah. Every day. Have you ever seen how it can destroy your processor? I don't think I've had that problem. No, but... So but, it seems to but happen. I want to know where you're going with this. Okay, so it mostly <laughs> seems to happen when you have a lot of teams, and so I'm usually signed into about eight different Slack teams at any one time. One of those being the main Making WordPress team, and the Making WordPress team has thousands and thousands and thousands of members. Well, it turns out that the Slack app, for one reason or another, doesn't scale very well when you have that. I mean, maybe it scales, but it doesn't scale that well when you have just so many thousands of users. And so what a lot of people notice, myself included, uh, is that the Slack app, the desktop app, at least for OSX, I don't know if this is true for Windows or Linux, um, it will just start consuming memory and processor power to your computer, entire computer lags. The moment you quit Slack, everything is fine. Um, and it became so extreme that it was unusable for me. Um, and so I, for the last two months or so, I've actually been using Slack purely in the browser. So my main workstation is iMac and an external monitor. And so on my side monitor, I would have a Chrome window open with 10 tabs, each tab dedicated to a different Slack team, because that would perform well. Like that didn't cause memory problems. Anyway, today Slack announced that they have a new beta version of the app that they've completely rewritten in Electron. Uh, and it's now available to download. What, so, what's Electron? <laughs> I can't answer that really, very <laughs> well. I, my understanding is it is, in some way, it is a framework for OSX. I, I believe it's like a JavaScript wrapper for desktop apps. Ah. Not 100% sure if that's true, but I think that is. I know that, uh, so the new Slack beta uses it. If you've used Pressmatic from Clay Griffiths, then he uses it. Uh, it's I've seen it popping up more and more recently, but I don't know the true definition of what it is. It says, I just went to their site, it says uh, build cross-platform desktop apps with JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. So sounds sounds pretty Uh, simple. One of of our EDD team is building an EDD app using Electron. So basically like having a a, a stats dashboard for it, uh, which is pretty sweet. But anyway, so I, I installed the Slack beta like literally minutes before jumping into this this podcast, and so far it seems to be really good. So anybody else, if you've had problems with processing power in the Slack app, go check out the beta. Uh, I'll have, we'll have a link to a tweet in the show notes. Awesome. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think let's do it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks again to our sponsor, SearchWP, searchwp.com. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.